Congratulations! You're listening to a Radio 191 FM podcast. I'm talking with Mark Lockett, who is touring currently in support of his recent release, Swings and Roundabouts, uh, which came out on the 1st of February. He's approaching the end of his tour at the moment, and this coming Friday, the 17th, will be performing with his touring band, the Mark Lockett Quartet, featuring Roger Mannins on saxophone, Daniel Yebsley on bass, and James Guilford on trumpet, alongside, of course, Lockett himself, at the Albany Street Jazz Loft. Tickets for that are still on sale uh, via Eventbrite. And I'll let you know the link to that uh, later in the show. In any case, I've got Mark on the line now. How are you going, Mark? Doing great, thanks. Thanks for having me, Alex. Awesome, awesome. Uh, so, you, as I said before, you've you've been on the road uh, since about the second of February. How is the tour going so far, and where are you right now? Oh, so uh, well, the tour's been going great. Thanks for asking. And right now, we're uh, just getting all set to play our um, album launch party in Nelson, Sunny Nelson tonight. So. Um, yeah, the tour's been going great. We've done five shows uh, so far. And um, where have we been? I'm just trying to think. We've been to uh, Hamilton and New Plymouth and Wanganui and Auckland, and we played Wellington last night. And um, and uh, we're heading south. Uh, I mean, I was going to say things are heading south on the tour, but that doesn't <laughs> sound so good. Um, but uh, we're looking forward to coming down your way for sure. Fantastic. And the album itself uh, is is a very interesting release. Uh, I've listened to it quite a few times. I've I've also reviewed it uh, for my blog, Walken Words. Uh, the liner notes allude to the influence of Ornette Coleman. Uh, can you talk a little bit about how um, Ornette Coleman has uh, influenced your style of composition and and perhaps some other influences that might have made their way into the mix there? Right, yeah. So, um, well, I guess um, I've actually been a fan of Ornette uh, for for a long time. Um, um, you know, his cordless stuff. And um, I, I guess the thing is, I, I think um, uh, I think in about 2009, I started getting really into um, cordless uh, trio, uh, the cordless trio thing. So right. um, we don't have, uh, we don't have a, a guitarist or um, a piano player purely yeah. for financial reasons. No, I'm joking, actually. <laughs> um, not, not for financial reasons. Um, but um, actually, I stole that. That was one of um, Sonny Rollins' jokes <laughs> from why he doesn't have a cordial player. Um, but but um but I love the openness um that, that that sound brings, you know, and the music um, you know, not not sort of being bound uh by any sort of chord changes necessarily. Um, you know, it it um uh you know, sort of lends the music to, to uh be able to go in any direction at any time. Hmm. And it's, it gives a gives a sort of a um a feeling of like freedom I guess when we're playing mm. it and hopefully mm. for the listener. Yeah. So um I, I got into all that and I recorded a record, actually a cordless trio record of all my original music called Sneaking Out After Midnight in New mm. York in um two thousand and eleven with Joel Fromm and Orlando Fleming. So 
um, did that and had a cordless trio for years in um, New York. And so I guess this album, it, the cordless um, scenario and the Ornette Coleman thing, I suppose, you know, has been a long time um, in the making because I've been listening to Ornette's stuff for, for years, um, at least for the last sort of um, 13 years or something. So, um and then basically what I guess spurred the whole, um, uh, you know, concept for this record on was, uh, it was pretty, um, thrust upon me with the, the first lockdown that we had in New Zealand and, um, in 2020. Mm. And, uh, it, it was, it was nothing more than I'm going to get something out of this lockdown. I'm not going <laughs> to sit around. Um, let's, let's at least, um, be productive and make a record. And then the, the really hard thing about that was that, of course, I was feeling as uninspired as everybody else on the planet, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, sitting at yeah. home watching the paint dry. And so it was like, well, you know, what am I going to do? And it was like I started – I just started listening to heaps of records, you know. Mm. And um, and so that was when the, the Ornette – you know, I was like, oh, I'll drag out some of those records because I really do – I have been really enjoying the cordless thing. And so mm. I started listening to uh, albums like Shape of Jazz to Come and, mm. um, you know, um, and and then, then it was just – and then, you know, I – as I was sort of listening to all that stuff, I started to really get into, I was like, oh, I'd, I'd hear a cool line, uh, maybe in a tune and a solo that uh, Ornette played or something. And then I'd go, wow, that's great, man. What was yeah. that? And I'd run over to the piano and sort of try and work it out and go, hmm. oh, yeah, what if I just flip that round the other way, you know? Yeah. And then, oh, man, cool, yeah. you know? And then yeah. I'd sort of write an eight-bar melody and then yeah. I'd go, well, I suppose I should repeat that. And then change up the bridge a bit and then I suppose yeah. I should put that same eight bar melody at the, at the you know it's like hey man I nearly got a tune kind of thing <laughs> so um, yeah. so you know so that that was sort of um, uh, you know um, uh, the basis of me sort of get you know getting started at least with um, yeah with with the composing you know um, and and then what I was doing was I was just um, I'd finish a tune and I, I would crank it up in the studio and run upstairs and ask my wife, you know, what do you think of this? And she'd say, well, I don't really like it, you know, need <laughs> something else. And so then I'd run downstairs and do some more work. And, um, and you know, it's pretty uh, – that's pretty much how I sort of do all my compositions and stuff. Yeah. So um, that was well, that was the, you know, the, and also the connection with the Ornette thing. And I guess, um, you know, I'm also um, – hugely um into like all the young modern players um yeah. you know having lived in, in new york for many years um checking out all the hot uh, new drummers and and mm. cats on the scene you know other musicians mm. as well um you know and i love i love all the um modern sort of through composed um sort of uh compositions and all the interesting right. yeah. stuff that's happening with time yeah. signatures yeah. and yeah. you know harmony and all that stuff yeah. so yeah um i i sort of you know wanted wanted to um i guess sort of bring a little bit of that to to my music you know i've yeah. got a tune on, on the record which is in 15 and a tune which yeah. is in 11 and stuff yeah 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 um yeah so i sort of you know um my my drum teacher uh 
um, Ari Honek in New York, you know, sort of mm. turned me on to a lot of that kind of stuff. So, right, yeah. you know, I guess it's all, all in the mix, you know? Yeah, yeah. Fa- fantastic. That's a really great insight into your creative process, and I'm, I'm glad you uh, mentioned some of the rhythmic devices you employ in your composition there, as that was actually going to be my next question. Uh, but given that we've right. covered that, uh, I could uh, kind of uh, move on to... Uh, uh, a question that's related to um, New York. Uh, you recorded the album there, so there's actually, uh, for our listeners, in case they're not aware, there is a different lineup on the album uh, than, than you are touring with. Uh, you've got some really heavyweight New York players in the mix there. Uh, Joanne Eubanks on trumpet, David Binney on sax, and Matt Penman, who I believe is actually a New Zealander, but is based over there. Uh, so what led to you recording, uh, this particular album over there? Obviously you've, you've worked there before. Yeah. Well, I mean, I lived, uh, in New York for the best part of five years and. Yeah. Um, I've been commuting back and forth there, um, studying, you know, privately with um, great drummers um, um, and, uh, you know, soaking up the scene since about 2001. Um, so I feel like I have quite a uh, connection with with New York in terms of like, um, you know, well, I feel I feel like I still have quite a bit of a connection with um, the scene over there. Mm. And um but you know you know the other thing, uh probably fifty percent of the reason um I mean those guys are great players. I mean there, mm. there's a lot of great musicians here. Yeah. Um but but I mean those guys are the best players in the world. Yeah. So <laughs> you know, um so um you know that that's that's uh, that's uh that's very inspiring for me and uh good for me to be um you know in those guys' company, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah. And and then the other thing is, I'd say fifty percent of the reason why I record there is actually um, the actual process itself, like the studios. I mean, mm. those guys over there, um, you know, like Dave Stoller, um, who was the recording engineer mm. at Samurai Hotel where I recorded. Mm. I mean, he records jazz records every day, mm. you know. Um, mm. So those guys know how to record jazz, you mm. know. Um, and so, and it, and it does make a difference, you know, mm. if anybody takes the time to check out the record, it's a really lovely recording and, and, and everything sounds like really mint on there. Mm. Mm. And, um, and, you know, and, and it takes the guys, the engineers very little time to get that sound, you know, yeah. cause when you're in the studio, time's money. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so um, that's one of the things I really enjoy because I mean, I'm not an expert at everything. I'd mm. like to be, but, but, um, but wouldn't we all? But, but, um, it's great to, great to have, um, trust and confidence in the, in the, um, the, the, the team that you've got around you, you know, mm. that you've got the best you can get. So, mm. um, and, you know, don't get me wrong. I mean, a lot of people make records, um, in their bedrooms and, and locally. And I think that's fantastic. I, mm. I don't think I, you know, I'm doing the right thing and, or mm. any other. Um, way is the wrong way. Mm-hmm. I think you just got to do what's right for you. you yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, and, and, and it's nothing more, more than that. And, it, and if you didn't have a connection or to, to the New York scene, it would just be straight out weird going over and doing this, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. but, but, um, you know, that's not the case for me. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, fantastic. Um, 
How do you think the approach you've taken musically on this album differs from the broader scope of current New Zealand jazz at the moment? It's a pretty unique uh, record. That's a, that, that's a really... What's that, sorry? Oh, I just said it's a pretty unique record. Uh, well, I mean, I suppose the thing, the thing is... Like, I mean, I'm going to sound really old-fashioned here, but, you know, and please, listeners, don't take this the wrong way, but I love to swing. <laughs> right. You know? It's even um, in the title. What's it, sorry? It's even in the title. Yeah, okay. yeah. So, yeah. so I mean, I and, I and a lot of modern music that's coming out is like 16th note based. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's like, you know, straight, straight kind of stuff, but... You know, I, I really think the swing beat is uh, can be just as infectious. You know, if it if it's um, if it if it's you know if people really want to swing, you know, mm. and so you know, I guess one of the differences is that you know a lot of people aren't making swing albums. I mean, mm. um, you know, I um, I went to see um, Melissa Aldama, who's a great friend of mine. You know, um, he played at the Wellington Jazz Festival recently. Mm. And her music's absolutely fantastic, but I was like, there wasn't one bar of swing <laughs> in that whole gig, you yeah, know. I can believe and, uh, yeah, and so I, um, that's, that's, I guess, one, one of the big things. The other, the other thing is, is that I don't think too many people in New Zealand are, do, are playing like cordless, um, music, you know. Um, and, uh, I mean, I might be wrong, but I haven't, I don't often see, um, you know, other cordless groups mm-hmm. playing, um, or certainly recording. And then I guess the other thing is I don't see many drummers in New Zealand writing their own music. Right. Um, yes. and, and recording, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess there are a couple of things, uh, that, that maybe make this record, um, you know, a little bit unique. Yeah, ab- absolutely, for sure. Uh, I think that all sounds fairly accurate. Um, For listeners who may just be tuning in, I'm speaking with Mark Lockett. He's touring in support of his new release, Swings and Roundabouts. That's the album uh, we've just been talking about. Uh, Finally, you've also worked elsewhere in the world. You talked about your time in New York a little bit before, but I believe you were based in Australia and maybe even the UK for a while. Uh, how do you think the different scenes compare for jazz? New Zealand, Australia, well, New York, and so on. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a really good question. I feel um, so. I lived in um, uh, um, Australia for thirteen years, and um, it, it was quite a big step up for me. Um, you know, musically moving from New Zealand at the time. I mean, of course, the scenes changed so much. I mean, when I moved to Australia, I mean, we barely had the internet up and running in New Zealand. Um, you know, so I mean, the, the, the scene, you know, there's so many good players now, you know, um, around and, and the scenes, it's a totally different thing, but you've got to cast your mind back to two, the year 2000 or 2001. Um, and that's when I moved. And, um, I mean, the, the scene in Melbourne where I lived, it's, it's, um, you know, it's very vibrant and, uh, Mm. and the standard is so high, you know? Um, and, um, and it was a really, really good for me. I mean, I basically spent 13 years there just, 
just sitting in my room practicing and, and of course, running out the door to teach and do gigs, you know. But that was my focus really there was just to, um, to, you know, work work as hard as I could at, at, you know, getting better. Um, and, um, and then so of course going to New York, New York's a, New York's a very different scene, you know, because I mean, the thing is in New York, I mean, jazz is, you know, it's kind of like, like rugby is to Islanders, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's part of the culture. Yeah. So I feel like in in some ways, you know, like the best players on the planet live in New York, mm. but there's also the worst jazz I've ever heard in my life anywhere that I've heard <laughs> in New York. But but I mean that in a nice way because anybody can play jazz, you know, mm. like if they want to, and mm. there's and there's room for everybody, you know, mm. to do that. Um, mm. And I think I counted up once there was about forty seven jam sessions a week yeah. um, in New York. Now I don't think that's the case now with COVID, right? Um, but but certainly um, there was a lot of opportunities, you know, mm. um, to. to to, to sit in and play and stuff. So, mm. um, but, um, yeah, standard was very high in Australia, I'd say, generally, you mm. know. Mm. Um, and in the UK, the UK, it was interesting. I, I moved there just for a year um, in 1996. And um, what, I, what I'd say, it's a very different kind of a scene um, uh, over there. Um, mm. But it, what, it helped, what it did for me is it really... Um, made me fall in love with jazz. I, it was the first time really in my life I'd heard jazz played at, a, at an extremely high level. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, um, you know, I, so when I returned to New Zealand, I was very focused. This is what mm. I want to play. Mm. And I'm mm. going to get to work on actually, you know, um, mm. learning, learning the repertoire and, um, you know, connecting with the people that want to play jazz and, yeah. and trying to, you know, get 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 that thing going. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, I hope that answers your question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's a great answer, and I'm sure that will be very listening, uh, very interesting for our listeners uh, to to hear about all of those different scenes and different experiences. I've been talking to Mark Lockett, who is touring in support of his release, Swings and Roundabouts. He's bringing his tour with his New Zealand band, featuring Roger Mannins on sax, Dan Yeebsley on bass, and James Guilford on trumpet, alongside Lockett himself on drums, to the Playhouse Theatre. It's an Albany Street Jazz Loft event, and tickets are on sale via Eventbrite. He's coming this coming Friday, the 17th, and tickets are $30. So if you hop on Eventbrite there, the link is marklocketquartet.eventbrite.co.nz. You will be able to purchase your tickets through that, and I highly recommend it to jazz listeners out there in Dunedin and anybody else elsewhere who might be passing through Dunedin at the time. It's going to be an absolutely fantastic night. Hey, thanks heaps, Mark, uh, for joining me and have a great time with the rest of the tour. Thank you very much. And thanks for giving me the opportunity to have a chat. I really appreciate it. Cheers. No worries.
That was a Radio 191 FM podcast. Find more at r1.co.nz.